Back up, please. Hello and welcome to the Sports Bench Special. Today we have with us Warren Brennan, the CEO of BBG Sports and the man behind the hotspot technology, the one which is used in cricket to detect those faint nicks and edges. Let's dive into this one as Warren explains us the physics behind his invention and a lot more. I guess the easy way to explain it is that infrared energy exists in the atmosphere but it's invisible to the human eye. The best way to, to sort of give an example of that is if you go to your kitchen and you go and turn on your stove. Now, you know the hot plate is probably heating up and you know it's getting warmer, but you can't see that, that heat. You can feel it if you go over near to it, but your eyes cannot see that heat. But if you look through the infrared spectrum, you can see the heat. To get a little more technical, in the atmosphere, everything that is within the atmosphere makes up what they call the electromagnetic environment. And that includes the visible spectrum that our eyes can see. It includes ultraviolet, which is another part of it. Then you have the infrared part of the spectrum, which is what our cameras work in. You know, to really keep it simple is we're making the invisible visible. So what happens there is because these cameras can see heat, we're looking at activities that produce heat and that's basically when objects collide, like uh, when a bat hits a ball and friction is produced, then as a result of that friction, uh, heat is generated and that's basically what happens is when the ball hits the bat or the ball hits the pad or the bat hits the pad, then friction gets produced and the infrared cameras can see that. So how many cameras are there on the field? Well, we started off with two. This mm-hmm. is going back five years ago. And they were normally at what I call the two high ends, which is the normal positions for most of the cameras. But as we sort of continued on and improved things, we found that faint edges, we found that it was better to put the camera side on. So now for England and Australia, we have four cameras. Mm-hmm. In New Zealand, we normally only use two, and we put those side on. And then for India, in the next probably couple of months, we're going to come over and bring four cameras with us. So we find that the side-on cameras are better for the very faint edges, and the front-on cameras are generally better to figure out for LBWs whether the ball hit the pad first or whether it hit the bat first, so that you can figure out what's appropriate. The hotspot technology as such is being lauded for being far more accurate than the the other technology called the snickometer. Now, is it 100% accurate, Warren? It's not 100% accurate because, you know, there are times when we haven't we haven't got the fine edges. There was probably that incident with uh, Luxman, I think it was the second or maybe third test match. Right, at Trentbridge. At Trentbridge, exactly. So... You know, we're still not sure whether he hit the ball or not. There has been some suggestions that he didn't hit the ball. But I think we do miss faint edges on occasion. One thing that we really have to improve, and we've been trying to improve it on this tour, is when the batsman plays a fairly forceful shot and the bat is moving quite quickly, then what we find is through the hotspot camera, the bat can be quite blurry. Right. Now, if he gets a hot spot, if he gets a very faint nick and the bat's moving quickly, 
it's hard to do, you know, for the eye to tell whether there's a hot spot there because the bat is quite blurry. We need to improve that. With, uh, we, we think we've found a way in which to do that by running the cameras in a different mode. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's improved it in the last couple of test matches in the UK. So I don't think it's perfect. It may never well be perfect, but we'll continue to try and improve it. But there are instances like the one with Dravid on the fourth day of the last test match. You know, there was a fieldsman standing in front of the sideline camera. There was nothing we could do about that. I'm fairly certain we would have got that play here, Dravid, but because the fieldsman was standing in front of the camera, there's nothing we can do. So, you know, you can't blame anybody for that, and that's just the way it is. So, you know, there will be occasions like that where things don't happen, but conversely, there are occasions when... You know, the hot spot gets incredible, you know, incidents that there's no way in the world that the human eye could ever see. And Any any instances that come to mind? Yeah, the best ones that I've seen like that are where there are two noises mm-hmm. and the ball might just faintly tip the front pad before it hits the back pad. Now, on most occasions, the umpire or the ball tracking will work out the LBW on the back pad. When in, when in fact, because it's just faintly clipped the front pad, it should be calculated on the front pad. Yep. Now we've seen that, we've seen that dozens and dozens of times over the last four or five years. And whenever that happens, the ball tracking people, whether it's Hawkeye or whether it's Virtual Eye, the first thing you hear them say to our guys is, where does that hit? Where does that hit? Was it front <laughs> pad or back pad? That's right. And so, so we, we assist them a lot in trying to determine where the ball actually hit the pad. Right. That's interesting because we, we only thought that this can be used in getting those faint edges. No. Talking about that, Warren, as I understand, uh, this is based on simple physics where you spoke about the friction that is detected Correct. by the cameras. Now, can there be a possibility that a faint edge can be missed if the edges of the bat are smooth? And uh, we all know about the the Vaseline controversy that uh, Mr. Michael yeah. Vaughan said, said about on Twitter. So can that happen? The bat sticker of the sponsor sticks out at the side of the bat also. Will that come in the way? Yeah, I saw that when I was over at Lord's for the first test match. Mm-hmm. I saw on the side of Dravid's bat that he had some unusual stickers. It was about three or four, maybe five on, on top of one another. And they actually looked like hotspots when you looked at it through the camera. So if he got a faint nick on one of those stickers, I think it would affect it. So in other words, if there is a nick, you will not be able to distinguish between the hotspot that the nick leaves and other hidden hotspot-like pictures that come about because of that sticker which sticks on the edge of Dravid's bat. That's correct. Ah, that's correct. Is that trying to con the technology then in some way? Look, it could be, but I doubt very much. I mean, Dravid is... You know, he's a very honourable man from what I can see, so... Yeah, he did say that he nicked it. <laughs> he did say yeah. that he nicked it yesterday. Yeah. But, you know, look, unusually yesterday, mm-hmm. when I was watching, or no, sorry, the day before, when he made his big innings, I noticed that there was nothing on his bat. And then when he went out to bat for the second innings, I noticed that he was using a different bat because there were stickers on the side. Oh. So I spoke to the ICC about this, and I said that I think it's, it could be possible that the stickers could cause problems for the hotspot. And they said, well, we may need to look at changing the regulations on the bats 
mm-hmm. so that there are no stickers allowed on the side of the bat. But we did test the Vaseline scenario in the office last week mm-hmm. and found that it didn't make any difference at all. So, so all the fuss about Vaseline and Broad going up to VVS Lakshman and trying to feel the edge of the bat was, it's unfounded. Yeah, but I think the stickers could make a, you know, a bit of a difference, primarily because, you know, they could have some sort of metallic paint on them or something like that that would actually heat up. And that's what I saw when I was at Lords when I was looking at, uh, at Driver during that test match. Those stickers were really sort of sticking out quite a lot. It's like a mirror, that means. It, it's like a mirror that is being held on your on your face, and that comes in the way. Correct. Correct. There's a lot of issues like that. The late afternoon sun, uh, when it gets low, it's exactly like a mirror on one side of the ground. As the player turns the bat, and, you know, the bats normally have quite a shiny sort of finish on them, and as they turn towards the low sun, you can get, you know, that mirror-type effect for two or three frames. So how is it better better as compared to a snickometer, Warren? Well, the snicker, we've actually been involved in ourselves for a long time with the original uh, inventor, right. Mr. Alan Plaskett from the UK. Mm-hmm. So we've done a lot of work with the snicker. And look, to tell you the truth, the snicker is a lot more accurate than people think. If there are noises out there, it generally finds it. But the weakness in the snicker, as we saw on the driver incident, was... Matt Pryor was up to the stumps very close. There were close-in fieldsmen on both sides of uh, Dravid. So there were a lot of noises going on around that time that incident happened. So in those instances, the stickometer can struggle to differentiate between all sorts of noises. But can hotspot and the stickometer be used in conjunction to arrive at an informed decision or, you know, to give enough conclusive evidence that the batsman has indeed nicked the ball. Is that being done? That's actually the next project. Hopefully I, I have that finished by the end of, of this year for the Indian Tour in Australia. And it's going to be called the Hot Snick, <laughs> so that there'll be a combination of um, hot spots and the uh, sticko on the same picture. But the really interesting one was, was the shoelace one of Dravid in, uh, where was it, Birmingham. Yes. And that was... The noise actually didn't come until several frames after the ball had gone past the bat. So in that instance, even though hotspot showed nothing, and people said, oh, well, it's not working properly, it's not working properly, <laughs> when we looked at the side on stickometer, you could see the noise was several frames past the bat. And it coincided with when uh, his bat hit his shoelace. So... By putting the sticko and the hotspot together, I think we'll get a lot better results than, you know, and we'll cover those little, really difficult ones where, you know, by themselves, they don't quite tell the picture, but by combining them together, I think that they'll improve it. But the most important thing for the sticko is you need to have a side-on camera because from the front-on, which is where we've traditionally done the sticko from, the front-on camera, you can't tell easily enough when the ball has gone past the bat. Right. But from the side of the camera, it's much easier. Right, and it makes things even more confusing when the batsman does not call for a third umpire's appeal and he walks walks off and then the hotspot doesn't show a nick. Yeah. And so then we start wondering whether the electricity was off because that's what a couple of my friends told me, that I think the lights went off in, yeah. in the, in the hotspot room. Yeah. <laughs> 
But on the, on the, because in India, you know, I mean, lights do go off once in a while. There is some load setting. We, we thought that was a problem. But on the same account, uh, Warren, in VVS Lakshman's decision, uh, the snickometer showed a nick and the hotspot didn't. Isn't that what happened? I'll have to go and check that one. But, mm-hmm. um, can, can that happen? Yeah, I think, I, I think it can happen because the actual cameras may not be able to detect such a faint incidence of heat. So they're the sort of things that we have to try and improve. The problem is we can't really do a lot of testing while we are actually doing a real match. That's one of the biggest problems we have. Could you explain that a little bit? That's interesting. Well, you know, like I'd like to try more settings on the camera. There's probably 50 different ways we can set up the camera and you know, try, try a whole lot of different things. But during a match, which involves DRS, we really can't afford to do that because some settings may work, some settings may not. We can't really try many new things. What I did for Lords was I brought two extra cameras with me. So we actually had six cameras. So with the two additional cameras, we tried, you know, a lot of new things to see whether we could improve the sensitivity or the frame rate or the exposure time. You know, we tried a lot of different things. So it's not always possible to actually easily make improvements to the system. And the the other thing is, you can't test this stuff in the office or going out the backyard and, um, you know, throwing a few cricket balls around. You have to be in the real environment because that's where all the peculiarities of the match happen. There is a lot of cricket happening in India, Warren. Why don't you get your equipment in India and do do it for the IPL and the other tournaments so that it will be a good net practice for you for the international events? Is it the cost that's a big deterrent? Uh, there's quite a few things. The cost is one thing. How much does it cost, incidentally? The four, four plus two cameras, how much would that cost per day for a cricket board? Four cameras, we charge 10,000 US dollars a day. And for two cameras, we charge six six thousand dollars a day. It's it's fairly expensive, mm-hmm. and the problem is that you can't easily go and buy these cameras. As I say to people, you can't go and buy them at a Seven Eleven because this is military technology. You know, you have to go through a lot of you know checks with the various governments to make sure that your intentions are not to go and uh, put these cameras in the wrong place. Now, you know, one of the problems that people have mentioned to me is that if we go and do a series in, uh, you know, up in the north of India and some Pakistani guys jump the border and go and steal our cameras, then, you know, it'll be an international incident because, you know, those cameras could be used up on the border there to knock out, you know, jets and tanks and, you know, whatever else. So the security behind being able to use these cameras is quite detailed. And I've gotten approval to bring the cameras to India for the international series starting in the middle of October. Now, there will never be a situation where we've got 40 cameras and we can easily move them around at our own time scale. It just won't happen. That's the basic problem of having military technology in a non-military environment like television. And I thought we were only playing cricket, so it's it's a matter of national security. It is. One last question is, it's very easy to draw flak, and that's what happens in terms of in technology when it is introduced in sports. Are there any incidences that you're really proud of where, you know, the batsman nicked the ball and the fielders didn't go up? Only the batsman and the hotspot knew that, ah, there was something in there that nobody saw and only the batsman and the hotspot did. 
Did that happen? Is the other extreme now? I'm talking about the other extreme. Yeah, well, look, we've seen that a couple of times. I think probably the one that first really gave us the real buzz was, I think it was Sami in the Sydney test on the last day when Pakistan lost, I think, eight wickets for 40 or 50 runs or something. Right. One of the ones that really turned the match around was, I think, Sami got a faint edge and Brad Haddon, who was up at the stumps, uh, heard it. Uh, I think Rich Ponting that was fielding in close heard it. The bowler and the umpire did not hear it, and they were probably an extra 10 metres away, and so they called for a DRS. The hotspot showed that he got a faint edge, and, yeah, everybody at the ground was absolutely crazy. <laughs> so it was, that was probably the most memorable one, but there was also the one down in, in Hobart a few weeks later mm-hmm. when Ricky Potty tried a sweet shot, yeah. and he got it off like two fingers on his glove, and it was very faint, but uh, the third umpire gave that uh, gave that one out. You know, it's probably been, I would have said, at least 10 to 1 of the good ones compared to the ones that we haven't got. But, it, you know, as you, as you mentioned, the ones that we don't get, people tend to remember more than the ones we do get. I think that's, that's what is with technology, right? I think yesterday Saurav Ganguly made an interesting comment after the last test matches that then you have umpires like Simon Toffel and Alin Zar who get almost 95% of the dismissals right. Yeah. You want technology to be 100% sure of its call, its final decision, because that's what is the incremental value add that a technology brings in. But yeah, it's a, it's a tough gig. But at the end of the day, I think the batsman might not be a great fan of you and your technology, Warren, because I think you've got many people out as compared to the ones... Uh, uh, who haven't been uh, given declared out because the benefit of the doubt uh, uh, that is generally passed on to the batsman has now become very, very, uh, you know, blurry now with technology like hotspot coming in. Would you agree with that? Oh, look, I think so. I mean, but no, but conversely, let me let me just say, last night, Torful made quite a bad decision on one of the Indian batsmen where he gave him out LBW. Uh, Suresh Raina was given LBW when he, has in, when he had inside the edge, the ball onto his pad, right? Correct. And interestingly enough, the second part of that equation was that they reckon that the LBW was going high anyway. Mm. <laughs> so he sort of made two mistakes in one. So even the really good guys can make mistakes every now and again. But I think what I've discussed with a lot of ex-players over, over the last couple of years is they've said that it's really the inside edges that never got detected. You know, maybe one in five got detected or maybe one in ten. Mm. So it can balance out between batsman and bowler because, I mean, Tendulkar's a good example. He's got a lot of inside edges over the years. The inside edge uh, going on to hit the pads, uh, is that what you're talking about? And then, then the bowler appealing for yeah. an LBW. That's what we're talking about. Correct. Correct, yes. That's what the old batsman, Bill Laurie and uh, Richie Benno, right. and a lot of those guys said, I wish it was around when we were playing because... You know, we've got, a, we've got a lot of inside edges in our day and then got given out LBW. I guess it can help the batsman and it can go against the batsman. So it just depends whether you're a batsman or bowler, I guess. <laughs> do, do you play cricket, Warren? Uh, gully cricket? Um, no, not anymore, but I played quite a lot when I was a young boy at school. You know, like a lot of sports that I played when I was younger, so, ah. yeah. D- did, you, did you actually walk after having edged the ball or would you wait for the umpire's decision? I'm curious. Uh, no, I was, I always walked. If only we had people like you, Warren. I guess I'm sort of making up for it now with uh, implementing technology like this. So, 
Look, I'm sure there'll be more controversies, but we're working very hard to improve it. We've got some high-definition cameras, hopefully being available by the end of the year. I think that that will improve things quite significantly next year. Would that also take into consideration weathers like if it's very cloudy or it's the first two hours of play in a place like England or Australia, where there are, unlike the subcontinent where the sun beats down and it's easier for you to take a call because I also understand that it is based on climatic conditions, right? Well, the climate can affect it, that's right. But in a place like Australia, it's much, much worse than anywhere else would work because there is so much uh, ultraviolet in our sunlight here that makes it much brighter, whereas even in a place like Dubai or in really, really hot places, you don't get sunburnt in Dubai or in India like you do in Australia. It's that type of sunlight that causes us problems, whereas in, say, in the subcontinent where you get a lot of haze and, uh, you know, it might not be clear until after midday, that type of thing doesn't affect us that much. And obviously the cloud cover... Uh, helps us even more. I don't see problems going to India. Last time we brought it to India for the Champions League, what was that, two, uh, two years ago now, we didn't have any problems because of it's generally not that super bright sunlight like you get in Australia. I mean, the worst two cities we've worked in, Adelaide and Perth, and they're the ones that can be 45 degrees, but blinding sunlight. If you're out in the sun for 15 minutes, you get sunburned. Uh, that doesn't happen in many places. I don't think we'll have as much problem like that in India. Got it. And India will be touring Australia very soon in December this year. So do you have a plan to take care of these uh, very known and predictable challenges? Will yeah. the technology be up to it uh, by that time? Yeah, we've got some new settings for those cameras, which we believe will reduce the effect of the sunlight. But at the same time, it's a bit of a trade-off. So... Uh, we need to continue to see how that works out. I think we will be able to continue to improve things here in Australia, particularly Adelaide and Perth. And then hopefully we get a chance to the HD cameras at the end of the year as well. We'll just keep trying, trying to improve things, and uh, see how we go. Best of luck, Warren. And so long as the hot squad does not adjust Sachin Tendulkar out on 91 in Australia, I think everyone's <laughs> going to be happy. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think he'll make his 100th test before... Hundreds, hundreds before then, though. I think he'll be fine. He obviously has a lot of problems fighting the ball in the UK. And we've had the same problem because they put people all around the sight screen in the UK. And the sight screens are generally maybe a third of the size of the that we have out here. And they've got people around them and they're sort of built into the structure of the stand. And, you know, it obviously just doesn't work for him being a short person and right. stuff like that. I've, I've heard him make comments about that before, and I know that's true because we've seen the same thing in the UK. It's obviously not his favourite place to bat. <laughs> Absolutely. And especially yeah. when he's gunning for his 100th uh, And uh, final one, one last question. Has any batsman come up to you and said, hey, what a neat job. I really did nick that one and nobody knew and uh, the hotspot caught it. Uh, we normally don't have any contact with the batsmen. It's more, it's more the ex-players, the commentators. You know, by and large, we've, we've gotten a lot more support from the commentators. Um, I know when I come to India in a few months time, I'll probably need to talk to Mr. Shastri and, and, um. Mr. Gavaskar. Yeah, Mr. Gavaskar and sort of talk to them and maybe they just have a bit of a misunderstanding, but there are going to be times where we don't get things and, you know, hopefully that's only a very small percentage of time, but, 
you know, we were just talking about uh, the next thing we can do for the cameras, and that is put them on, build them into a trolley and have them on the ground so that when there's a short close-in fieldsman that's, um, that's blocking the camera, then we move the camera maybe three or four metres either side so that we can still get a look at the bat. They're the sort of things that we have to continue to try and improve because people expect 100% now. I am certain we would have got that driver one the other day at the Oval, but the fieldsman was standing in the way. So we have to try and come up with some scenario to get around that. But at the end of the day, I think the decision was made right in spite of all the commotion that went about in, in the use of the technology there. At the end, it was given yeah. back to the, the on-field umpire who, who gave it out and Dravid did confess that he had nicked it. So when these kinds of things happen, there is another kind of a match going on in the hotspot team then. Whether or not we got it right or whether or not we, we goofed this one up. So it, it's as tough and tense out there in, in, the, in, in the team. How big is your team? We've only got six people. Wow. And, and all the work, is, including all the engineers and the ones who implement it. Yeah, yeah. We've got a team that has been together for almost 20 years now. So four of us have been together for 18 plus years. We're very experienced and we probably do the work of probably four people. You know, we've had so much experience. So we'll probably have to get more people along the way. But, you know, we have extremely high standards. We don't want to drop the ball and we want to make sure that we, we continue to try and set the standards that we have for a number of years. And, and that's going to get harder as we do more countries, but we just have to make sure it gets done as well as we can. Thanks a lot, Warren, for your time. No problems. Good to talk to you. Thank you, and have a nice yes. day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye.